My name is Isaac. It's good to meet you. If I haven't met you yet, that is my name. I hope to meet you. Isaac McKinley, I work here. I'm a pastor here. As of full time, only a couple months ago, so I'm the rookie on the block. Yet somehow I got this microphone. I don't know quite how, but I'm giving a word today. I'm really excited about it. Um, I have some jokes to tell you. You guys ready for some jokes? It's 9.02. It's past 9. And we can tell jokes. Uh, I've been practicing a lot because around the dinner table at the McKinley house, um, Teddy, my four-year-old, one of his favorite things to say is at dinner, let's tell funny jokes. And they're absolutely nonsensical, just like doesn't make any, any sense whatsoever. But there's a couple that we've landed on that I really appreciate. They're very dad joke. Um, so don't set your expectations too high right now. Um, but I, I just want to give you a little taste. One of them is an original, okay? I'm pretty proud of it, and I'm going to save it for the last one, okay? But the first one is, is this. You guys ready? Ready to laugh? Okay. What do you call a pile of cats? A mountain. You catch that? Reggie, where are you at? You catch that? Okay. And then this one. Yes. Thanks, Ezra. All right, this one, this one is actually an original. I was very proud of myself. Um, usually my originals, like who tries to make up their own jokes and they're just horrible. Um, that's usually me, but this one I'm really proud of. Uh, what do you call a dog underwater? A subwoofer. You get it? A subwoofer. If you're more technically minded, I made that up. I made that up. I'm proud of it. I don't care if you think it's funny. I think it's hilarious. All right. So I want to catch you up with where we're at. It's Red Letter Challenge days. Um, you guys reading it? You enjoying the Red Letter Challenge? Yeah. I know. It's really good. I love, uh, I love how it's structured. And every day I made a little spark notes for myself through the whole series. Like every single day I made my own little outline. And I, and I put the challenge up there. And... They're very specific and they are very challenging. They cut right to the core of you and kind of press you beyond what you're comfortable with and that's good because we need that um, to really follow the words of Jesus. It's not a comfortable journey, but it's the best journey um, and, and we are challenged. So I'm catching you up today um, is week three. It's on serving, but what we've done, it's been, it's been really fun. Tamar kicked us off, she said, she talked about being in week one, being in week one. And I'm going to give you kind of like really short sentences. If, if Isaac's going to summarize what we talked about, and I'm going to encapsulate Tamar's message in Isaac's notes, I would call week one become by being, become by being, which means that as we are with Jesus, as we get with him, as we be with him, we actually become someone different who behaves differently. And so the principal thing in life is that the very first thing we gotta understand is that we need to be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. We become different by being with Jesus. We don't become different by doing different things. That doesn't change our character. Jesus changes our character and as we are being with him, we are changed to then be someone else like him, the likeness of him. Um, the second one, Pete's message last week, y'all listen, y'all here. I said y'all because I just got back from Texas, ain't that cool. Um, forgive 
by repentance. Something Pete said, he, he laid out this flow of how this works. And I want to read uh, the quote from Peter that I wrote down that really struck me. And I've actually been thinking about it over and over. And is, uh, Pete said this, I struggle to forgive because I struggle to receive forgiveness. I struggle to receive forgiveness because I struggle to repent. Why? Well, it's shame and fear. What keeps us from repentance? Shame and fear. We don't think we can. And we have misconceptions about God. So we forgive by really repenting. And it's the kingdom way because when you repent, I don't know if you caught the stories Pete told about Peter and Paul and how they were humbled. When you repent and you humble yourself before God, that humility, God uses that humility to, to then release grace in your life. And grace, Jesus' grace, is power. So you, you don't walk in power without walking in humility. It's impossible. And you notice that Peter, after he denied Jesus, and then they ate breakfast together on the beach, right? He, he, he was humbled. He repented. He said, Lord, what have I done? But then power came right after that, and Jesus released him. And Paul, too, <laughs> you know, he, he's out there doing his thing against the Christians, and then God humbles him and then releases power through his life. I thought that was amazing. Um, forgive by repentance. And then if I were to give a, a snippet of today, it would be served by the Spirit. Served by the Spirit. So we're talking about serving this morning, okay? That's, that's why I'm here. That's why you're here. Learn about serving. It's going to be good. Uh, I wrote an equation for serving. This is how my brain thinks. You're just going to have to you're just going to have to enter the mind of Isaac this morning. I wrote an equation for serving. My mom's a math teacher. Forgive me. It goes like this. You ready? Okay. That and is actually a statistics operator. If I were to write it, it would be a U. Does anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> I was going to write the U, but then I was like, nobody would get that. Okay. Someone served and someone serving, the union of those two things, equals service served. Okay, that's the equation this morning. Someone served and someone serving equals service served. And um, we don't know, see the question marks, we don't know yet who the someone served is. That could be someone. We don't know. But we do know who the someone serving is, and that's you and me. That's, that's the part of the equation that does not change it is you and me. No bones about it. And then the service serve is what happens afterwards. And it really matters who the someone served is because that will determine what kind of service is served, you know? You follow my equation? Is this too confusing? I'm trying to make it very simple, but when I'm talking about serving this morning, my aim isn't necessarily to go over the different ministries that we have. I could do that. I'm the discipleship ministries coordinator. That is my title here at City Harvest Church. I could give you all of the ministries and teams and and things that you could sign up for. But that's not really my goal because I think all that happens when we get that top part of the equation right. When the someone served is the right person, naturally the service served will flow in the way that you're made, the way that God puts you together. It's just gonna happen. That's what I'm talking about. So I wanna, I wanna kind of define uh, 
Well, you, you see this like a tennis player, right? This works for a tennis player. Um, they serve things. The person they serve to is on the other side of the court, right? It's their opponent, and, and, and then they're there. But because they're playing tennis and they're serving somebody on the other side of the court, they're actually going to hit a ball over there and they're going to play the game, right? It works. Uh, a flight attendant, I was just on a plane. They, they give you service. They create an experience for you. I am someone being served, and they are someone serving, and the service served is actually like the peanuts or the kindness or the lady who sat down with me and, and talked to me for 15 minutes, you know? The, way, the, the actual flight attendant, uh, that's what happened. But it really matters who is being served because that determines what you do. Um, so this is the focus. This changes everything, that person at the top. So for a tennis player and a flight attendant, we, we pretty much know who it is. But what we're really interested right now is a disciple of Jesus. What is it, how does this look like for a disciple of Jesus? Would we say most of us aim to be a disciple of Jesus? I would say most of us in the room, yes. And if, and if you don't, I, this also applies to you because you can't get away. You are serving someone in your life. Um, and I want to say Jesus is the one who that should be. Clearly, no shock there. Um, Matthew 6, 24. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And it's true. Yeah, you can't serve God and money. But you could also put right there, instead of money, someone else. You can't serve God and someone else. You can't serve God and your own agenda. You can't serve God and Buddha or whoever. It's an exclusive role for a single person, and it's either God or it's someone else. I know it's basic, but it, it really, really matters because I think we try and divide that role. So I have a question to consider this morning. And I want to invite you into a sort of situation with me. I have a prop. This is the first time I'm preaching with a prop. This is my prop. Here's our question to consider. Who is seated on the throne of your heart? Who is seated on the throne of your heart? Because that person is the one that you serve. That person is the one with the authority. Throne evokes authority, power, majesty. But you have this place... And I want to set a scene for you now. And, and here's the scene. Here's my, here's this is a throne right now, okay? Very majestic, very ornate. Uh, so I want you to join like this with me, this, this scene on the stage. And we're going to pretend that together this is, our, this is our heart, okay? And this is the throne of our heart. Y'all with me? Okay? So we're just kind of painting a picture. I just want to demonstrate. This is really the crux of what I felt God laid on my heart for today um, to talk about serving. I got this image of a throne, and, and really, who's sitting on it? Is, it? is it me or is it the Lord? And that changes everything. And I, and I feel like we sit here sometimes, and we have, like, Jesus at our right hand, and we use him for a lot of things that serve our interests. So I want to... I want to set that scene for you guys. It's kind of heavy, um, and I might not sound very nice, but I am applying everything to me, okay? I'm filtering this through my life experience and what God's saying to me. Um, so just 
hang tight, okay? I, I do love everybody here. <laughs> but I love God more, so I'm just going to say it. Um, <laughs> um, all right, there's a couple rules to this scene. The first is that somebody always sits on the throne. It's never vacant, okay? Uh, somebody's always sitting there. And the, the, the temptation of this life is that I'm always the one who sits there. It's nice. It has authority. It has power. I, it has, you know, the decision-making, like, mantle. My, the temptation of this life is that I'm always the one sitting there. But the deception of this life is that I can. It's, it's truly a deception. If you look at Luke 4, 5, and 7, it's where Luke chapter 4, verse 5 and 7, Jesus is being tempted by Satan. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all the authority and their glory. For it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, I, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So Satan tempts him, Jesus with the chair. He says, sit there, I'm going to give it to you. I, I actually believe that would never have happened. Let's pretend in some bizarro world that we are actually all living in right now. Um, Let's, let's pretend Jesus said, yeah, okay, Satan, great deal. I'm going to sit on the chair. I'm going to, you know. Y'all, Satan's a liar. He ain't going to give anybody no authority. There's no word of truth in him. You can't make deals with the devil and expect them to happen. He doesn't sign any contracts, okay? He doesn't make any promises that he's going to keep. They're empty. They're lifeless. He... It was a ploy. It was a trick. Jesus saw it and said, I don't serve you. I serve my Father. And so it's the same temptation. And so I want to set, set some scenes here, okay? And we would all say, mostly, I would say, Jesus is on the throne of my heart. But yet, maybe when I'm thinking about my future, maybe where I'm going to college or maybe my career, I, you know, Jesus is on the throne of my heart. Yes, Lord, you are on the throne of my heart. But then... I find myself taking a, taking a seat. It's comfortable. I can see. I can plan. I can plan it out, my future. I can look at, all right, this personal testimony. If I go to college and I get my degree in finance and operations technology management, UP, I can sit here and I can see they have a great interest. They're going to place me in an amazing job. You know, They'll help me. They'll train me. I can see all the routes, I can see all the things, I can see how I'm gonna make lots of money. And then Noelle and I, who she's got her business degree, she's gonna use it too. We're gonna to be dinks, dual income, no kids for a while, okay? Dinks. <laughs> That's a real term, I kid you not. I kid you not. We're gonna to make tons of money and get, oh man, we're gonna to move downtown and live in the Pearl District. And we're gonna eat the best food, we're gonna drive Audis, and or just going to be like, legit, you know? And then Jesus, I'm like, Jesus, you want to help me, like, fill out the application? I need your help. I need your help. God, I just submitted now. I really need your help. Lord, breathe on that application. Breathe on. And I'm looking at Jesus, but he's sitting over here, and, and he's saying, Isaac, get down here. He's saying, he wants to be here. 
And he wants me to be like, Jesus, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I might not know what the future looks like from this position, but I trust that you see and know all things. You know the beginning from the end, and, and I, just need, I just need the next step. I don't need the full plan. I'm tempted to sit here and organize and strategize and, you know, facilitate my own life so that it looks like I want it to look like, but that will never land you in the place God wants you to be. And so he wants you down here just willing to say, what's the next step, Jesus? I'll take it. You want me to do what? That makes no sense. Not knowing that that piece is going to be used in a way you could never imagine for him to lead you in a place you never thought you'd be. And so here Noel and I are in, you know, living in suburbia, working at a church, not driving Audis <laughs> with a dog now somehow. That entered my life. <laughs> or maybe it's our reputation, okay? Maybe, maybe we're thinking, I'm good with my future. I can, I can trust God with my future. But my reputation, which is so carefully crafted. Y'all, we so carefully protect our reputation. People say it's, it's money, and I, I think that's true. You know, we hoard our money, and we, we're really worried about that. But... Our reputation, we, we craft that thing, we mold that thing, we set boundaries for it, and we sit on this throne of our reputation, and we, and we think, you know, oh, Lord, I'm willing to do this for you. That's a little too crazy. You're saying what? You're saying witness? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm made to witness these ways. I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. You're telling me to go outside of those those lines? You're telling me to go outside the box of my, of my witness? No, no, no. No, that will do something to my reputation I don't want it to do. I'll look weird. I'll sound weird. People are going to laugh at me, which, by the way, they will. It's promised. Do you know that it's actually promised that following Jesus will put you in some very poor reputational situations. Your credibility in the world's eyes is trash. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you can be an excellent worker. I think you will have a, he will give you a good name in his way. But you've got to be willing to say, Lord, I, I'm willing to be despised. I'm willing to be hated by men because I look at you and, and you set the example for me. You put your reputation completely in the hands of your father. You were spit on, you were rejected, you were cursed at, you were despised to the point of death. And so, but we like, you know, our social media, if something doesn't fit our aesthetic that we want to people to perceive as our life, we won't post it. That's how much we care about this stupid thing called our reputation, myself included. And Jesus is like, forget your reputation. Dignity is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Come on. <laughs> okay. How about our experiences? Now, this one, this one's good, too. Our experiences. You know, as Americans, as, as uh, Western culture or whatever, millennial, you could say, that's me. I can make fun of us. We're all about the experience of, uh, experiences of life. So what we do is we sit on this chair. We sit on this throne and say, Lord, you have my heart. But Lord, I... I want my experiences to feel a certain way. 
I don't want to really feel uncomfortable. You know, I don't want to. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attend a church service. Y'all following me right now. I'm going to attend a church service. And it's a service after all. Meant to serve me and my preferences. I'm going to, Lord, can you hand me, you know, a worship team? I'm going to make a little model church right here. I'm going to sit on my stool. I'm going to sit on my throne. I'm going to build my little model church. And yeah, it's got this kind of worship. The seats are this far apart so I can worship comfortably. And, and, you know, the preaching, it has a little bit of fur tick in it, but it's also got like, you know, Tim Keller. And, <laughs> and you know, the, the vibe is cool. And so we make our little model churches, not realizing that like, that service is not for you. The service is unto God. When we attend a church service, it's to serve someone. It's not to receive service, service from the pastoral staff. I'm not just saying that so I can make my job easier because that's what I am now, but <laughs> we got it some, some, kind of, some kind of mixed up. And what happens is you can't be the church like this because then you end up in a room, in a service, where there's so many stinking thrones and so few servants. And we're sitting here and we're all building our little model churches and we say, oh, yours looks a little different than mine. I don't know. We can't work together. We can't be united because your kind of worship doesn't match my kind of worship. Instead of being like, I don't, Lord, I'm here to love you. Worship not, might not be my taste. It might be, you know, ZZ Top worship. People bearded up here. <laughs> but Lord, like, it doesn't matter. My heart is to serve you. My heart is to worship you. And so it really matters who's on the throne because it changes absolutely everything. So I hope you caught my picture. In your fullest life, your, your, your entire purpose, the place that God wants you, all throughout Scripture, God calls people out of Egypt so that they might come and serve him. God says of Moses, my servant Moses, whom I speak face to face. There's a specific word that's used. It's servant. And it's not based on what he does. It's based on his relationship to him. That what he does happens because, first of all, Moses serves God. That's the kind of servants that, that the Lord wants. That's the kind of serving that I think will change us, that will bring the unity we so desperately need. Because you can see a picture, you know, because if I'm down here and I'm attending a church service and Jesus is the king and not me, and, I, and he's on the throne and I'm not sitting there, I can actually look at, my, look at Aaron who's sitting down here with me, and now we're united because we're on the same plane looking to the same king, giving the same offering. That's unity. So what's the, out, the outcome here? Well, there, there's two different options. I've been kind of mean and displaying them for you. But the first, the first thing we got to realize is there's only two options. It's you, which is the Bible calls the flesh. If you want to do a, a study on the flesh, I encourage you to do it. It's not encouraging. <laughs> it's not encouraging. It's less encouraging than I'm being to you right now. <laughs> and then there's Jesus, which is the spirit, right? Jesus, the spirit. Well, there's two different outcomes depending who's sitting on the chair. 
who has the throne. In the flesh, we're selfish. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Strong language. That's in the Bible, Romans 8, 7 through 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Whereas Jesus, the perfect servant, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He is the perfect servant. We have a question, what does service look like? Well, it looks like, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about someone else. You can't be a servant and serve your own interests. A servant, by definition, is about somebody else's business. So Jesus is obedient. He's perfect. He's good. We're entitled. John 4, 2. You desire and do not have, you, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Jesus is sacrificial. Ephesians 5, 2. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Man. Amen. Jesus, we love you. We're loveless. Galatians 5, 20 through 22. Pretty clear contrast in that part of the Bible, if you want to read it. I'm just going to give you the, the spark notes. The works of the flesh. Jealousy, anger, rivalry. The fruit of the Spirit is love. You cannot produce love on your own. That's why the world is such a bad spot, trying to produce what they think is love out of the flesh. The flesh ha- doesn't have any clue what love is. How are you supposed to have Holy Spirit-less love? It does not exist. It is not real. It is a lie. It is a fabrication. It is from Satan, and therefore, deception. Whereas Jesus is compassionate. He saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Jesus' service was unto his Father, and service then was towards people because God loves people. God loves people. And so who does he make us? He hasn't changed. God does not change. He wants the same service out of us, the same serving attitude and serving being that we see in Jesus to be in our life. It's the same spirit. Christ's spirit dwells in us. To walk the same serving lifestyle that Jesus demonstrated. Only an army of surrendered servants can change the world. We want change. Only an army of surrendered servants can change the world. And if we're honest, you know, I I think, if I'm honest, I think I'm more selfish, entitled, and loveless than I'd like to admit. I honestly do. And, and I think the church, our church, hello, <laughs> is more selfish, entitled, and loveless than we'd like to admit. Can we just be real? Like, why don't we see the things that we want? Well, maybe it's because we're more selfish, entitled, and loveless than we'd like to admit. Maybe there's too many people on thrones and too few people on their knees. When we're united and surrendered to one king, that is God's plan. 
And it's, it's amazing, you guys. Serving Jesus is amazing. 